Saturday night. Man, it's not make up some sangria Hey guys, welcome back to the 20YNO podcast. I've got a good one for you today. I'm chatting with Melanie Krause, winemaker and co-owner with her husband Joe of Cinder Wines in Garden City, Idaho. Now, if you've had any of Cinder Wines, you know just how amazing Melanie is at making wine. And if you've been a listener of the show from the beginning, you know I've talked about Cinder Wines before, but being a fan of their wine, I knew I had to get Melanie on here to tell her story and find out how she got into winemaking in the first place. After listening to this show, you'll be wanting to make sure you get some Cinder Wines ASAP. Hi guys, I'm here in Garden City, Idaho today with Melanie Kraus. Did I say your last name right? That's right. <laughs> um, she is the owner and winemaker at Cinder Wines here. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks so much for um, inviting me in. I can't wait to hear your story um, and learn more about you guys. Uh, so you are an Idaho native? Yes. Boise? Is that yeah, right? I was born in Boise in uh, St. Luke's and grew up most of my life here. I, I think it's so cool when people have, have gone, you know, the direction you have with bringing wine here and you are someone who's from here. <laughs> yeah, I went out, you know, I'm kind of one of those boomerangs. I went out and lived in various places, mostly in the Northwest, but a little bit international mm-hmm. too, and learned the trade of winemaking and then came back after having been gone for about 12 years um, after I graduated, graduated from high school. So Cool. Um, and uh, you went to WSU, right? Yeah. Um, my dad's a WSU guy, so anytime I see you and someone's there, I'm always like, go Cougs. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, did you study winemaking when you were in college? No, I didn't. WSU actually started their winemaking um, programs, enology and viticulture programs, the year after I uh, oh, really? left. <laughs> yeah, the year after I graduated. And by then, I was in the wine industry at that point, um, working for Chateau Saint-Michel. So I okay. went to like the inaugural party for kicking off their viticulture and oh, enology cool. program. Yeah. But no, I studied general biology, and I have a second degree in Spanish. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you kind of still had that science stuff going on. Yeah, both of those degrees have been really useful for winemaking, um, but it wasn't it wasn't direct, but it's okay. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going to learn about bacteria, then you will understand the basics of how they work. And there's wine bacteria, but you don't necessarily need to study yeah, yeah. them specifically in school to understand how bacteria work. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, so was, was Washington wine kind of your first introduction into the wine industry? Yeah, definitely. You know, in college, that first bottle was like Gewurztraminer from... Uh, yeah, sweet stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We make a dry Gewurztraminer. But yeah, I, I, of course, I picked it out because the bottle was cool. Mm-hmm. That's what we all do, right? Right, yeah. So, yeah, yeah when, when I, you're in the store and you're just looking around, it's like <laughs> whatever grabs you. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, after those first forays as a college student into drinking wine, then... Um, I started to work in the wine industry and got an amazing education there in Washington. So what were you, were you out in the vineyard or were you in more of the tasting room or? Well, in the beginning I started in the vineyard. So I had, when I um, graduated, 
well, I should go a little earlier. As I was working my way through college, I was working in agriculture in um, one of the WSU wheat breeding programs. Okay. They're, you know, that's the Palouse yeah, that's areas. The big thing, yeah. <laughs> wheat is huge. And Those Golden Hills. <laughs> yeah. So for my last couple of years of college, I worked in the winter wheat breeding program at WSU. And um, even further back in high school, I worked in uh, greenhouses here in Boise. So I had this work industry in yeah, so agriculture. Yeah, you had that ag knowledge. Yeah. And that, so when I, when I, realized that uh my boyfriend who's now my husband and business partner joe when i realized he was living so close to the washington wine industry i immediately knew that i wanted to do that for my career and the pathway to get there for me was i was able to get a job in the vineyard side mm -hmm. of the business the most easily in the beginning and so for two years i worked in the vineyard side um, and then i transitioned over into the winery side at chateau saint michel so Cool. Um, yeah, it was a good education because that vineyard part was so fundamentally important for what I do here, which is I contract with growers to mm -hmm. grow my fruit. We don't own vineyards. And I just needed that um, experience and all the diversity of having seen so many different vineyards um, working for Chateau Saint-Michel and be, then being able to come here and work with you know, over the course of my career, maybe like 10 different vineyards here in, in yeah. Idaho and about six very consistently through all these years. And um, it's given me that foundation to be able to talk to the yeah. growers and relate to totally. them and stuff. Yeah, and especially I'm sure as your career kind of evolved, you really started like right from the beginning, like in the dirt with the vines, like that's where <laughs> it all starts. Yeah. So that's, I'm sure that really helped you you know, gaining that knowledge, and then, like you said, bringing it back here, and now you're you're getting like the end of finished product. Yeah, and... yeah, the product, yeah. and then creating something yeah. amazing out of it. Literally and metaphorically, I started from the ground yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> so, what made you um, from going from the vineyard side? What made you want to start getting into the winemaking part? Well, I love being in the vineyards, but um, the winemaking part. Well, I don't know. Do you want the honest answer? My growers yeah, totally. won't like this, but <laughs> it didn't take very long to realize that there was more money and more, uh, I don't know, glamour, power, yeah, all sorts yeah, totally. of things being on the winery side, which, mm -hmm. you know, doesn't necessarily um, say good things for how we value agriculture, but... <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's true. I mean, it's true across the board for, for all ag. I mean, it's all the stuff that nobody sees when you're, like, covered in dirt and <laughs> yeah, everything. It's like... Yeah, that's... yeah. So I moved over into the winery to try that out, and it was a good fit. And um, so, at, then it, when we started our own company, we just focused on the winery part. And uh, I leave all that hard farming to my growers, who do a much better job than I probably would. So, <laughs> but I'm sure having those relationships and knowing that working with growers that you trust is is huge for for what you're doing. Oh, definitely, and. Um, I have a lot of fun working with my growers. <laughs> like we chat, uh, we go out and visit our vineyards every couple of weeks all the way through the growing season. And so one of the things that surprised me a little bit about this job is I didn't realize like how um, fun and rewarding the relationships with my growers would be. Mm -hmm. um, 
because we're out there BSing about grapes and weather and stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know why. That's one of my favorite days of the week is the day that I go out and That's visit awesome. my vineyards. Yeah. Um, well, their so vineyards, my blocks, how my contracts. How many vineyards uh, did you say you work with? We uh, work with about six. Okay. And it's, are you doing all Idaho fruit at this point it's all local snake river valley fruit which is uh mostly idaho one big vineyard major producer for us over in adrian oregon which is snake river valley fruit but yeah it's a stone's throw across the border it is (laughs) (laughs) and so what when you what made you want to create your own brand in your own winery instead of just making wine maybe for someone else like what brought you to, to building your own company Well, we wanted to move back to Boise and have careers in wine. So how to achieve those two things together. And the wine industry here was so tiny at the time Mm -hmm. I moved back about 16 years ago. Um, I just pretty much had to create my own job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There were only uh, like half a dozen um, wineries and really probably only one or two that potentially could have employed me. So... We just created our own yeah. company so that we would have jobs here. And was your husband, um, how did he sort of get roped into being in the wine industry with you? Well, he's uh, really kind of like the motivator behind starting our own company. Okay. <laughs> I mean, when I tell the story, I tell it like I just did. Like, well, you know, I couldn't, it was a small industry, hard to find a job. Mm-hmm. But Joe, uh, as he was working, he worked for Micron as a chemist here in Boise. But okay. all the time we were dating and I was becoming a winemaker, he was very interested in starting a winery and owning a business. And so whenever we were on a long drive or had just idle time, he was always asking me, write down numbers, you know, how much do, would it cost for us to make wine and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And so he really pushed me to... He's like the planner. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, he's like the visionary. He's the one who yeah. pushed me to be like, well, um, why not? Why can't we do our own winery? Mm-hmm. And so in the first year of our marriage and my move back to Boise, I just spent it writing a business plan and figuring out, convincing myself... Right, could could this. we actually do this? Does this pencil out? Mm-hmm. Um, and how would we get the funding and so forth? So yeah. Joe does like the visionary part, and then I go through and like figure out, okay, how will we actually do it? That sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's good yin and yang. So, yeah, so yeah, perf- yeah, perfect partners there. Um, and so now I know I had um, Earl Sullivan from Talaya on the show a while ago, and he was talking about how initially there was a couple of wineries in the same space. Is that this location where we're at? Yeah, the Cinder Winery in downtown Garden City is, um, we've had, we have a huge uh, warehouse here. And as we've grown our company, we've had a couple um Subtenants, tenants, you know, mm-hmm. subleasers come in, make wine in our space to help us pay the rent and so forth. So, yeah, yeah Talia and Coiled were here for three years, and that was really helpful for both our brand and their brand in having us get started because we could all use the same set of equipment yeah. and share the rent on this giant warehouse until our wineries grew to a large enough size to be able to go out on our own. Yeah, yeah, it seems like that was a really good... Um... A really good situation for all of you at the time and that you were all kind of still in those starting stages and growing and I'm sure it kind of helped to have people in the same situation yeah so you're growing 
the growing pains, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I I like both those companies a lot, and it, it's fun to have, um, you know, kind of like comrades in arms in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And I mean, of course, you have you want everyone to do well, and you kind of all got to that point where you couldn't all be in one space because you were all growing. <laughs> yeah, which is a good thing. So. Yeah, totally. And both of them are doing really well. Yeah, we're so happy that they decided to stay in this neighborhood with us when they um, moved on and built their own Yeah, they really are just (laughs) like a stone's throw away from here. Yeah. Um, So I I know I read the name Cinder stems from, um, you know, the kind of the volcanic soil, but what made you go with with that name for your your wine company? Well, like you were saying, the the volcanic cinders that are underneath several of the vineyards in the the AVA are the inspiration, like Sawtooth Vineyard, for example, where we source a lot of our fruit is planted directly into an extinct volcano. Oh, really? Yeah. And so you only have to, I mean, really, you can see the cinder on the Mm -hmm. surface, but if you go down a foot or two um, through the topsoil that's uh, kind of wind accumulated fine topsoil mixed with cinder you get into um, you know from there until it's magma or whatever yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. cinder um, huge depths and uh, it's a good thing uh, it's like a good substrate for the soil for mm-hmm. grape growing yeah and we, you know we wanted a, a name that was kind of easy to pronounce, mm-hmm. easy to remember, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's so true. Like a lot of, um, you know, names that you see and people, if they can't pronounce it, sometimes they just stay away from it. Yeah. <laughs> it seems like unapproachable or well, intimidating. We have, <laughs> we have plenty of that going on with the wine varieties and all those French names. So. <laughs> yeah, so at least they can pronounce the, yeah. the, the name of the company. Yeah. And also your, your labels all um, are so beautiful. But how did you, how did you sort of come up with how you wanted your your bottles to look like? Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, the so the labels are um, our main series that people see, which is a screen print, so it's printed right on the bottle, painted right on the bottle. That those are photographs of the vineyard soils. Oh wow, that's so yeah, cool. highly magnified tech, soil textures. And so when when you zoom in that close, they just look really abstract. Yeah. But yeah, our graphic designer went around and took a bunch of photos of different um, vineyards that we buy from. That's so neat. Yeah, they're beautiful. And I, um, I a while ago, I think it was last summer, I came and I bought. Um, my husband really likes ice wine. He's he's the sweets guy. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, that bottle was so pretty. I like. There's certain bottles that I keep if I like love them, and that's one of them that I'm like, this is too pretty. I, <laughs> at some point, I'm gonna cut the top off and make a little vase out of it or something. But. Oh, thanks. Yeah, and that uh, bottle that you're referring to with the paper label, that is a graphic designer's um, kind of vision of the formation of the Snake River Valley. Okay. It's not literal photos, but mm-hmm. I described to her the way that. Um, we had ancient Lake Idaho covering the whole Snake River Valley AVA from almost Twin Falls to almost Baker City, Oregon was a giant lake. Wow. And then while that lake existed, there were volcanoes erupting underneath it. And so that's how the Sawtooth Vineyard was formed. Right. It erupted underwater. And that imagery to me of water, volcanoes erupting underwater is so powerful. Mm-hmm. And so as I described that to my graphic designer, she came up with the inspiration for all those bottles of ours that have the 
paper label yeah. with all the texture and stuff on yeah, it. Yeah, they're they're so fun. They're so pretty. Um, and then so other than like sawtooth, what are some of the other um, vineyards that you source from? Well, we get a lot of uh, grapes from Sawtooth and a bunch from Emerald Slope in Oregon, Adrian, okay, Oregon. Okay, yeah. And then Williamson. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is huge. That's a huge, like, historical fruit-growing family in the yeah. right there on the sunny slope. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then a pretty new vineyard, Linnae Ridge Vineyard, which is just up, kind of up the hillside from the Williamson Vineyard. Um Let's see, and there's new vineyards that are just starting to produce. There's one out in um, Melba called Roxburgh Vineyard. Mm -hmm. That's a really exciting site. Yeah, she's doing some really good stuff. Yeah. And uh, this coming year, we may get our first fruit off of a new vineyard that's all the way out in Emmett. Okay. Um, And we, I can't forget to mention our um, Riesling and Gewurztraminer come from a vineyard that's between Fruitland and Payette, so it's okay. quite a bit north of where all the other vineyards That's are right. and produces some really nice white wines. Yeah, yeah. I think I've, I've tasted a few. <laughs> um, and actually, just um, going off of that, I, I was always more of a red wine drinker, mm-hmm. um, but your Gewurztraminer, like, brought me to the white side. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it's, good. It's, it's so excellent, and I share it with, with everybody. Thanks. Um, yeah, and that's a dry Gewurztraminer, but a lot of people say that about our Viognier. Mm-hmm. It's red wine drinkers will taste our Viognier and be like, "Oh my gosh, oh, I maybe I like white wine after all." <laughs> yeah, being a a winemaker and and a female winemaker, you know, there's not. Um, it's typically, you know, historically kind of a male trade, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've kind of been diving into Idaho wine, I've noticed there's a lot of female winemakers here, and I just think that's so cool. Not that that's a reason why you became one, but does um, how does that make you feel to be like kind of almost a pioneer? Well, I I mean, in my own career, I've had like great um, mentors, male and female, and um, Chateau Saint Michel had lots of women winemakers. Um, even though my my um, direct mentors uh, have all been male um, and wonderful. Um, so now that I've been in Idaho for 16 years and surrounded by all these uh, gals that are making awesome wine, uh-huh. it feels completely normal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. But I, you know, I read the magazines. I realize that we have an exceptionally high percentage of female winemakers compared to a lot of the other mm-hmm. major regions, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... That some of the other gals would probably agree with me that we, um, maybe a, several of us wound up here because we wanted to prioritize our um, the livability of the place that we made wine in mm-hmm. and raising our families. And so we came, a lot of us, it was our hometown we came back to and wanted to um, be winemakers but needed to build the industry up in the in the town of our choice right Boise is a very nice place to mm-hmm. live and raise a family so right. um I don't know that was my own personal motivation and I think a couple of my friend winemakers would also agree yeah. with that kind of trend line mm-hmm. and then but then I mean 
it's just so cool how things have sort of evolved um, to where the wine industry is now in this area that it has grown so much and you've been such of like a part of the building group that is making it what it is now. Yeah, kind of the second generation. I mean, the pioneers were the, um, you know, mostly farmers, but the guys back in like the 70s and stuff that started uh, planting and I'm super thankful for them for having gone right, way out on right. a limb and there tried that. There are some, some older vineyards here that you would never have known were planted, you know, way before ever anybody thought about wine being here. <laughs> yeah, our growth spurt is, is fairly recent, but mm-hmm. the beginnings of the Idaho wine industry were back in the 70s. And so, um, like, the Williamson family, right. um, Roger Williamson planted a long time ago and great that he did because then when I came along there were a few grapes that I could source to start (laughs) my my business with and now um now my portfolio looks really different from how it did you know 15 16 years ago when we started out um instead of uh a lot of those older vineyards that were the kind of the first generation vineyards now we're working with fruit that's been planted over the last um, five to 15 years mm-hmm. and it's m- kind of more diversified varieties ones that I think fit better with the climate and with the vineyards and also just we're better at um, sourcing fruit than they were back then as far mm-hmm. as like getting clean plant material that doesn't have plant viruses and things like mm-hmm. that so I think that these new vineyards are going to be going to produce much better fruit things are just going to keep getting better yeah i mean old vineyards are romantic and they have some awesome characteristics about them but Mm -hmm. also back in the 70s we didn't understand things like plant viruses and stuff so the future for the quality of the idaho wine we've come a long way Mm -hmm. and we actually it's going to keep getting a lot better so that's really exciting for me because every year I feel like, ooh, these grapes I'm working with are getting better. better. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Um, So what were some of the first first varietals that you were working with when you started Cinder? Well, I started off with Viognier and Syrah as my top two picks, Mm -hmm. and that was because I um, spent several years, I, I got a position as a judge for the Idaho wine competition. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I was still a winemaker in Washington, but I was spying on my hometown mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> to see see what was up and what grew well here. And f- through that experience, I knew for certain that I wanted to produce Viognier, mm-hmm. for sure, because it seemed so exceptionally good here. Mm-hmm. And so Viognier and Syrah are still probably my two favorite grapes that I make in Idaho. Uh-huh. But Tempranillo is another one that's really exciting. And then we have a whole portfolio of of good wines, different varieties, which kind of shows the um, diversity of, like, how much we can raise here and different microclimates and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's really fun. And I like coming to taste your wines and getting to taste a variety of things, too. It's always fun as 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 a drinker or a taster to come somewhere and get, like, a full experience. Yeah, thank you. So I've heard this question asked to several winemakers, and I've asked it here on the show before, but um, what do you consider winemaking an art or a craft? 
And you can, I mean, you ask this to 10 different people and it's 10 different answers and there's nothing yeah. right or wrong. It's just, I think it's kind of interesting to ask a winemaker what they, what their opinion is on that. Yeah. I mean, my understanding of a, a craft is, is kind of like consumable art where you're producing something that's a fine product, mm -hmm. but it's something that's going to be consumed. Right. <laughs> used, you know, it's not a painting on the wall. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, I think of it um, as a craft, mm -hmm. but it's uh, a craft that if, if you're creative, I mean, you can make wine with pretty much just chemistry, but mm -hmm. if you're creative and, and uh, especially creative in the sense that like chefs are creative, mm -hmm. then you can do much more amazing things than if you're just thinking about the chemistry behind the process. Yeah. Because one of the things that I think is the most important skill for a winemaker is being able to take the material you have which is not always perfect mm -hmm. because mother nature's right. she's every, always every up year, to tricks every year varies <laughs> yeah and figuring out how to optimize it and sometimes you get grapes that don't get ripe or you know have something strange going on in the vineyard mm -hmm. that's going to make them not what you were expecting so then how do you take that and make an enjoyable product out of it mm -hmm. and that I think requires a sense of creativity right yeah and yeah I totally I love that answer and I think that's kind of the artistic part of winemaking is that every winemaker can approach a problem and you might do something a little bit different and mm -hmm. that's why you know when you drink wine you, there's a difference between who it's made by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? definitely. So I, I, yeah, I really like that answer. And now I'm going to ask you what, um, what's your favorite wine um, that you like to, to drink yourself? What do you like to, to consume? And it doesn't have to be your own. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, but. I always like to start my evening off, like when I'm cooking dinner and mm -hmm. stuff, with a really crisp white wine. So mm -hmm. maybe it's my Viognier or maybe... You know, it's like um, like a Verdejo or something from Europe. Or, yeah, something really fresh. Yeah. And then um, we eat dinner. I personally don't worry too much about pairing my food and my wine, not mm -hmm. at home. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, after dinner, I will drink a big red wine, which my favorite is Syrah. That's mm -hmm. my glass of dessert. Yeah. yeah. One glass of Syrah after dinner. Um, but I vary that. I mean, it's yeah. I have all sorts of different uh mm -hmm. wines that I love for different reasons yeah I always kind of go through phases and of course like you know our weather here we have a whole four well kind of more than four seasons it changes all the time but like I'm you know like my white wines in the summer and yeah go pretty in the red direction in the winter time <laughs> yeah totally I have very seasonal shifts to my consumption patterns mm -hmm. totally <laughs> um so I, I recently read that your wine club is at full capacity, which is something like crazy, um, but really cool for you guys to be in that space that, that you're making that decision that you're like, okay, hold on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so congratulations. On Thank that. you. But, yeah, um, it's exciting. Yeah. And it gives you kind of an interesting um, sort of challenge to like, okay, now what do we do with yeah club um we have a wait list and of course a, a certain number of spots always open up every year so mm -hmm. yeah. um yeah not not to discourage anyone right, right still come in and sign up but 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, okay, there's a slot open, or sometimes it might be a few months. But mm-hmm. it's a good uh, new phase, like different phase for us to figure out from 15 years of continuous growth. Now we're like, ooh, okay, so if we steady off, now what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what can we improve to make this yeah. Uh, instead of just growing, let's think about really improving the experience of our customers and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, too, with that kind of, um, you know, obviously it's a good problem, but are you wanting to grow production-wise or add? Yeah, I mean, it's, there? Uh, well, as a winemaker, you always want to make more stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard to be like, oh, there's a contract I could get, but if I have to cut something else out to do it. Yeah. So there's always that struggle between like, yeah, sure. I, I'll take that, it all. <laughs> that's what I like to do is make wine, so why not make more of it? But on the other hand, our building here in Garden City is close to capacity, mm-hmm. so that has to be considered. Right. Yeah. Um, so as I'm like uh, getting close to wrapping up, um, I usually end the show with just a fun, not wine-related question. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so for you, um, would you rather be able to control time or know what people are thinking? Hmm. Well, <laughs> probably control time. Yeah. I could sure use a few extra hours every too. day. <laughs> well, especially, I mean, you're a mother as well. I feel like if I could just, like, pause my kids for a little bit. <laughs> Wouldn't that be helpful? Yes. <laughs> And I don't think I would want to know what people are thinking most of the time. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> um, but um, Melanie, will you go ahead and tell um, the listeners where they can find more information about you guys if they want to come and visit um, and what your, what your tasting room hours are now? Yeah, sure. So we'd love to have you down at our tasting room um, in Garden City, which is just five minutes from the center of Boise. And we are currently open Thursday through Sunday, noon to 7-ish. So we'd love you to visit our website. And we ship to almost every state in the union. So we can do a lot of, yeah, um, yeah a lot of, we'd love to have uh, you come and order online. Or we have customer service people on the phone seven days a week, too. So yeah, give awesome. us a call. Yeah, yeah. definitely get some. <laughs> get some of Melanie's wine. It's amazing. Uh, Thanks so much for um, letting me come and chat with you and giving me some of your time. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much for being interested in Cinder Wines. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to help this podcast grow. You can follow me on Instagram at the 2 podcast and on Facebook as the 2 Until next time, keep on drinking the good wine. Cheers.